You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! Oh! Up high! Down hard! Kobe Bryant! Very deep, yeah. Blocked by LeBron! That basketball will never be the same! So that now is entered the fray. Yes! Then November 20th, 2016 will now forever be known in the NBA circle as the Sacramento Screwjob. <laughs> it was not that bad. I mean, it's no. a regular season game. The Kings suck. They're probably going to get it next time they're playing their apps because of that. But uh, it was a pretty bad call. Well, like, we'll see. Ex- we'll see if it's only one regular season game. What if two points makes a difference between... Not a playoff spot, let's face it, the Raptors aren't going to make the playoffs easily. But before, uh, between the second and the third, or maybe the first or the second, the way they're playing lately, maybe two points will be a big difference. And you can't point out that the Sacramento screw job, November 20th, 2016, would have been maybe a trigger of something. Uh, maybe, maybe it's going to be the trigger of a bad luck curse. You know, uh, us Montrealers, we are very big on Toronto curses. So maybe maybe they're going to it's going to be the beginning of the end for them. But otherwise, why don't you explain our listeners what happened? Yes, exactly. So the uh, Toronto ball, two point four seconds left. That, that's important. Remember this: two point four seconds left. The ball is given to mm-hmm. T. Ross on the inbound play. He takes a step, shoots, ties the game, buzzer beater. Supposed to go to overtime, but oh and behold, instant replay triggered. They went to look in the instant replay, and apparently the on-court referees noticed a clock malfunction on the inbounds play and correctly triggered an instant replay. After communicating with the replay center, it was determined that the clock should have started when Cousins of Sacramento tips the ball and run to uh, to zero before Ross' shot was released. So they're saying because when you throw the ball inbound, if you don't know, the clock starts when the player receives it not during the ball was in transition and the ball was tipped by ross 0.1 second before uh, by uh, sacramento before ross got it 0.1 second and it would have taken 2.5 and they said no it's 2.4 left so we have to make it a non-basket are you kidding me yeah i didn't get it because uh because yes it was clear that boogie cousins touched the ball and i mean it tipped it it, it tipped off his finger but um, there was not even a second between uh, Boogie's tips and um, and um, T. Ross's withdrawal. T. Ross made a beautiful 40-footer uh, guarded, I think even double teamed, and to send the, the, the team into uh, the game into overtime. Off balance, and, by the way, off balance and leaning forward while shooting, so not an easy and, shot to drain. And Mike Callahan's um, argument is that he was watching uh, the instant replay with a digital timer on screen and that apparently there was 2.5 seconds that elapsed between the time Boogie touched the ball and T-Russ shot. And, and T-Russ, got, T-Russ received it. And I'm 
I haven't measured it myself, but I'm pretty sure this is inaccurate. Like, exactly. I'm not, the biggest, I'm not the biggest Raps fan myself, but there was less than one second between both occurrences. And like in many NBA, the, the NBA, like many other leagues in North America, Major League Soccer, for what I know, there's a pool mm -hmm. reporter tra transcript where th there's always a, a way to ask the referee a question in writing after a game and you get the response. Here's a question asked to uh, Crew Chief Mike Callahan post-game Toronto at Sacramento. Question one. How did you guys determine the ruling? Callahan. First of all, the trigger was a clog malfunction. We had the ball deflected and the clog didn't start. Question two. So the replay trigger was a clog didn't start when the ball was tipped by DeMarcus Cousins. Callahan. That's correct. Question three. How much time elapsed between when DeMarcus touched and when the clock started? More than 2.4 seconds. Question four. How was it determined that it was more than 2.4 seconds? It was 2.5 seconds. Question 5. So from when DeMarcus touched the ball until it was let go was 2.5 seconds. Callahan, yes. And our last two questions. Question 6. And there was 2.4 on the clock. That's right. How was 2.5 determined? A digital timer on the screen. So in the entire thing, we're just talking about 0.1 seconds. How can a referee, an official, notice 0.1 second of a malfunction? It's more than human brain time reaction. I, I, I don't know, honestly. And I don't even know that the digital timer does that, like, decimals like this. For all I know, they could, like, they could uh, go for, like, half seconds. And you, you would never know. Um, I would have to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I seriously think the Raptors got screwed out of victory on that one. They were pretty pissed. Like they, they, they came, they went on Twitter and like voiced the outrage. And there's a lot of guys who are going to pay twenty-five thousand uh, dollar fine uh, after that game. A lot of Raptors guys, including Dwayne Casey, the, oh, yeah. the head coach. Well, they're officially, formally making a pro, uh, a protest from the game from last night. So we'll see how that unfolds in the next few days. They are playing tonight uh, against the Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. So we'll keep oh, in... Oh, it's going to be brutal. Oh, yeah, it might be brutal, but maybe that decision last night will lit a fire under the Raptors and maybe they can keep up with the Clippers. Uh, talking about the Clippers, another great... Yes. Uh, we had a good, dis good discussion last week on the show. Yes. And there's uh, the emergence of new bigs and a new way to play this year that start to emerge. Uh, what can you tell us, Ben, about the emergence of new bigs like Joel Embiid, Towns, Turner, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, your man? Well, we had this discussion yesterday, uh, last week, pardon me, about um, what what's coming after small ball, right? And what where will the game evolve from there? Small ball itself. Um, the is a um, is an evolution from Mike D'Antoni's seven second or less pick and roll crazy offense that is still alive and well in the NBA today. If you watch the Houston Rockets, and I was I was doing some research on that last week because you really um, you really asked a good question, and I fell on a podcast with um, my two of my favorite uh, basketball nerds Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz discussing the idea. And they pointed out really, um, really uh, astutely that the most, the most valuable kind of player you can have today is a playmaking big. 
like Anthony Davis, who currently sits on top of NBA scorers, on top of NBA's defensive uh, rating players. Um, guys like Carl Anthony Towns, Miles um, uh, Turner, Kristaps Porzingis, etc., etc. And I'm, I'm looking at the stats now, and they're all in the top 10 at their position for efficiency. And these these will allow you to play an aggressive, up-tempo style um, uh, on, on the floor without sacrificing size and rebounding. That's very, very important. That's why they're so valuable. Uh, now, I think that the most valuable of them all right now is Carl Anthony Towns from Minnesota. Uh, he They played the uh, Sixers uh, last week, and there was this beautiful sequence where Joel Embiid was guarding him. And you could see the mechanical differences between both guys. Embiid towered over Towns. He's much bigger, but Towns pump faked him twice out of his shorts and uh, drove by him and uh, finished with a slam dunk. He is <laughs> he is a the only center that I know in the NBA um, that can regularly get his three points off the bounce. Um, a lot of all the guys I named can get their three points. Um, they have uh, Christoph Porzingis can get it sometimes off the bounce, sometimes uh, off screen. Um, Joel Embiid needs to have both of his feet set uh, on the floor. Um, uh, that's both of his feet set on the floor to make the three. But Carl Anthony Towns, he plays basketball like Stephen Curry can play basketball. He has more um, defensive. Uh, he has more defensive. Uh, duties than Stephen Curry because he's mm. much bigger yeah. and much more athletic, but he they play basketball in a strangely similar way. So I think this is where it is going to this kind of gold rush for playmaking bigs, and whoever can doesn't have one of these guys on their uh, on their roster now needs to play small. I'm thinking about Boston. I'm thinking about. Um, I'm thinking about um, the Clippers, mm -hmm. who I'm thinking about Detroit. All these guys need to have smaller lineups. Um, like the Knicks, the Wolves, the, the 76ers, the Pacers, they can go big and they can play small. And I think this is where the NBA is going in the next, in the next uh, couple of years. Like we're going to have the most skilled, the most developed, the most versatile bigs we've ever seen in the game. It's kind of weird how uh, pro leagues and the NBA especially go through cycles and always comes back to the tallest yes. and biggest guys while we'll dominate. Yes, oh, absolutely. Um, they, the thing is, like, they went smaller and faster. Like, smaller and faster guys can play the game with more skills and push the pace and tire the big guys out. But it's an evolutive, it's an evolutive thing, you know. Like the big guys catch up. There's a new generation of bigs who grew up playing basketball, who grew up, uh, who grew up uh, doing all kinds of weird stuff, and who are not yeah. encouraged to do some weird uh, big guy stuff now. And you see, like I think Carl Anthony Towns is the poster boy for this. No, well, it's funny too because. If you go back to our childhood or even the generation before, mm. if you were over six foot two, there's only one sport you would think of playing. That's basketball. Come on, you're tall. Yes. You should go play basketball. Nowadays, with the amount of all the sports, with the amount of the football, how it's popular in college level in the States and all those other sports as well, when you're six foot two and higher, 
you have a lot of choice now. You have a lot of decision to make if you want to be an athlete. And it, it, basketball is not always the only sport where if you're, of course, if you're seven foot two, it's different. Uh, but uh, six foot eight, we've seen it in many different sports, mm-hmm. soccer and all, all those things. So it's interesting to me how uh, now it's tall guys that want to play basketball, that actually work on their craft when they're young to develop those skills a la Steph Curry, but a lot taller. Which is very important. That's a good point you're making. Who in, in soccer is 6'8"? Uh, Peter Crouch, uh, famously in England, uh, he plays for Stoke City, he used to play for other big club. He's so tall, like even if you play in FIFA, you, if you like, uh, that's the trick. And you go in the lower division, you get Peter Crouch, every corner, every free kick that you put in the box, he's taller than everybody else. He just jumps and of course he's going to be putting a head on it. Is he slower? Uh, yes, especially now that he's over the 34, 35, I think. But no, he used to be a very decent player, but he is slower, yes. Well, I think we should take a moment um, right now to thank the pioneer of this uh, movement, a big man who played baseball named Randy Johnson, who was six foot ten, who decided he would not be just a normal basketball player. He would be the biggest baseball player that ever was. And if I'm not mistaken, he's in the Hall of Fame now. I think so. And yeah, so that's that was very good. That's a very good point you made. Like the bigs now, they love basketball. They want to play the game. They're not condemned to play the game, and I think it shows. Like there's a passion, there's a renewed passion all over the court for uh, for playing the game the right way. Just an example. When you think of Porzingis, there's mm-hmm. a smile. He's there. He's happy. He's living his dream. That's what yeah. you want to see from an athlete. I remember me watching those uh, here in, com- in um, documentaries too, about especially in the college level. They, they, mm-hmm. They're there to get the education, but they don't want to be there. They're not necessarily there, but because they're tall and it's easy for them and they just pick the ball, raise it up high and just easy to distribute after. You do have that sense, but it's fun to see the Porzingis of this world having the time of his life. Oh, definitely. And... Um, and- Kirchhoff Porzingis, the thing that people need to know is that he is he comes from a family of baller. His brother plays pro. He's a wing player who, who played, who still plays pro. His mother played pro. His father was an athlete also. Um, it reminds me of what you told me. Um, I was reading an audiobook by Jonathan Abrams, which is a very good basketball journalist, about the prep to pros guys, like the guys who went straight to from high school to the NBA. And he was talking about the next Nick, who is not playing anymore, named Jeremy Tyler, who admitted, I think, after a long streak in Israel that he didn't like playing basketball so much. Uh, Andrew Bynum told people, uh, famously told people after winning two NBA titles that he didn't like the sport so much. So this is a generation like due to uh, a lot of. Uh, promotion and expansion from the NBA. This is a, a behavior that tends to be phased out. Um, the fans are the biggest benefactors from this uh, from this new generation of of fun players who are having time over their lives playing basketball. From the Knicks, let's continue on and talk about the Knicks. Yes. But in the unexpected category, the Knicks are unexpectedly yes. a little better than we were anticipating. Um, no, I, no, you put them there uh, for, were, for a reason. I, I thought they were going to to be a little better than that, actually. Okay. But I was okay. one of the only people in the world. Um, the thing is, while I was trying, I was scanning the the the, um, the standings this week and looking for weird things, like things that don't add up. 
And right now, the Knicks, the Magic, and the Pacers, and I think the Pacers won last night, so they're uh, they're one game ahead, but they're basically within striking distance from the eighth and last spot, last playoff spot in the playoffs, which uh, for in the in the East, pardon me, which is uh, a bit unusual. Like two of these three, uh, I think these three teams would put it easy in the playoffs, but right now the playoff portrait is. Cleveland, Atlanta, Charlotte, which I didn't have in the playoffs. Chicago, yeah. which I didn't have in the playoffs. Um, Toronto, Boston, Indiana, and New York uh, at eight. So, and Orlando has the same. Um, Orlando has the same um, uh, record in New York at record. six and seven. So, what's going on here? Who's the best team? And I really don't have an answer to that because. Um, I think that the Magic can clearly be uh, spotted as the worst team of them all. I think that whenever, when, when the um, when the, uh, the the pressure is going to come on, and like the big guys will have to produce in Orlando, the chaos, the ongoing chaos is going to be uh, showing, and they're going to uh, be phased out. But now I could not tell you who's the best team between Indiana and New York. Uh, probably Indiana. Um, they have a lot They have a lot more cohesive talent. I've read a very interesting statistic this week um, about Derek Rose. Um, the, I think I've read that today. Um, when Derek Rose scores 15 points and more, the Knicks are 0 and 6. And when the Derek, Derek Rose for, scores 15 points and left, they're a six and one. <laughs> so Derek Rose need not to play. I well, he needs to pass the ball. He cannot. He cannot take too much of the offense on his hands. He needs to pass the ball, and this speaks to um, this speaks to uh, Jeff Hornacek's offensive design. It speaks to how the triangle uh, the triangle uh, offense is played. Um, Derek Rose and the Knicks seems to be an ill-advised matchup right now. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they go, uh, if this keeps up, I wouldn't be surprised if they go their own way. Uh, right now, I think Indiana's going to make the playoffs, and I think probably Detroit's going to fight their way back in. I'm not sure if the Knicks or the Magic are going to uh, are going to be there in the offseason. Uh, one thing that's surprising, like you mentioned, unexpected, uh, the Hornets in third position in the Eastern Conference right now, is it sustainable? Is it just a fluke at the beginning of the season due to maybe an easy schedule to start the season, 8-4? and four, uh, Or is it replicable? Is it sustainable for the Hornets for the next few weeks and months coming? Um, that's a good question because it's a really uh, frail, uh, it's really frail. Rail uh, portrait that they're doing there, like they're <coughs> part of me. They're banking on uh, Kemba Walker to keep playing like uh, miniature Stephen Curry, and Kemba Walker has been firing on all cylinders. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who is their uh, defensive specialist, has stopped taking shots for Christ's sake. It was the best thing you could do, um, and they're just spacing the floor. They're playing playing very fast. And they're trying to really minimize the damage that they're that they're like five seven foot white guys are doing on the floor. I don't know if you watch uh, Shaqed in a Fool every every Friday, but um, Spencer Haas from Charlotte made the Shaqed in a Fool this year for like you know the guy is seven foot one, and he couldn't dunk on a fast break. Like he dropped the ball from a fast break. It was really bad. Uh, I 
think the way they're playing, they're going to need to be healthy in order to be uh, to sustain it. If they're healthy, they're probably going to finish fifth or sixth. I think if they're not healthy, I'm still expecting them to fall off. I'm still expecting them not to make the playoffs. I will. I am a Charlotte Hornets hater through and through. <laughs> Other things unexpected as well. Uh, yeah. You have uh, the Denver, Minnesota, Sacramento, Phoenix, New Orleans. Uh, let's just start with Denver. Uh, what's so unexpected with the Nuggets so far? Um, they're not passing. That's really weird. And they're really and they're having somewhat of a success. And they're they're a good team, honestly. They're they're have they're having a little bit of a cohesion uh, problem, but they're a good team. They run the floor. Uh, they're aggressive. They have a lot of uh, highly athletic players, and it's key when you play in Denver because of the altitude. Uh, you need to run the floor. You need to have athletes. You need to have guys who push the pace. And uh, right now it works. I, I place all this all these teams together because um, I'm really curious about why they're all within striking distance of one another. Right now, Dallas is the worst team in the NBA, which was completely unexpected at the, uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki is injured. Deron Williams is injured. But yet, I'm not counting them out yet. Uh, Rick Carlisle is a musician. He's been doing, he's been doing uh, miracles with Dallas. He's been, uh, he's been a, somewhat of a MacGyver. Uh, he's been doing, he's been transforming non-NBA players into uh, really good bench players. Like the best, the, his best player right now is Jonathan Gibson, who was not playing in the NBA last year. Um, uh, Phoenix and New Orleans, I think they're they're a lock not to make the playoffs. Um, I like the Pelicans. I think the Anthony Davis is a great player, but <laughs> this just doesn't add up right now. They're just they don't they don't have enough healthy talent to be uh, competitive even if Anthony Davis is taking is carrying the team on his shoulder right now and is literally being the best player in the NBA um, and now the really three teams that are left mm -hmm. are Denver Sacramento and Minnesota Minnesota and, is sorry to interrupt, Ben, but Minnesota for me yeah. is interesting because uh, we talked about Tom Thibodeau and uh, how yes. uh, he would be influential. If not, uh, we have those questions and how good he could be. Is it a fair assessment that after only can, can we actually judge Tom Thibodeau's work after twelve games, or we have to wait and see four and eight that uh, Minnesota Timberwolves so far? I believe that we need to give him at least an entire season. The team is so young. This team has been so poorly coached before, and we're already seeing we're already seeing improvement from Minnesota. Their um, uh, Carl Anthony Towns is developing some really sick new moves. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, our, our Canadian Andrew Wiggins. I don't know if you've seen his stat line, but they're absolutely off the hook. He scored 47 points the other game. I was I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, is uh, is a little bit of a liability defensively, and I think the most surprising thing is how poorly defensively Minnesota has played. They're allowing a lot of points, but I think that uh, Tibbs is really reining in the is really reining in the uh, the 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 uh, the troops right now. Like he he is getting them into buying into a success mode and. They will have to have success before they're buying into his uh, work ethic, which has been, which is reputably uh, insane. 
uh, he's making the guys uh, work. Like he is single-handedly responsible for Joachim Noah and uh, Luol Deng's uh, uh, dip as uh, uh, performance dip as players because he overworked them in Chicago. Uh, but he gets wins, you know. He he shortens careers, but he gets wins. So when it's going to click for Minnesota, I think they're all going to buy into what the Tibbs has to say, and they're going to drink the words from his mouth, like from the like from the fountain of youth. And <laughs> then it's going to be interesting. Right now, sample smile, sample sample size is way too small. If it was, was one in eleven. Maybe I'd say there's something wrong, but right now they're finding ways to win. They're just being very sloppy defensively. Are they? Because uh, you want to keep in touch, right? You don't want to be like the Mavericks, already way behind almost for any contention of anything. Uh, but if you're you're four and eight, you're only three wins uh, behind the Lakers, which yes. are in eighth position, which are surprisingly yes. there. Nobody expected the Lakers to perform that well, so that tells a lot about Luke Walton. But when talking about the Timberwolves, to finish that thought, they're still in striking yes. distance. Four and eight, you just go on a run on a week, and you back in contention for a playoff spot. Uh, we're not even one. Uh, we're like one tenth of the season right now. One eighth of the season yeah. done. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, I think that we should be. Uh, uh, I think we should be really, um, really like we're like these guys are young. They're athletic. There's no, there's no given night where they cannot torch any team in the league. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking um, Cavaliers. And I'm thinking Golden State. They can give hell to anybody. They have the talent to give hell to anybody. Uh, it could really happen as far as this season. I'm not sure they're gonna make the playoff, but if they're not making them, they're going to come just short. Uh, just a little thought I have as well to finish the unexpected yeah. segment. Ben, uh, we talk about unexpected. And this was expected before the season, but with the way Russell Westbrook played in the first opening two, three weeks of the season, yes. you thought the Thunder would maybe challenge the Warriors and who knows, not the Clippers now, as best of the West. They're a little dip now. They're eight and six. They've uh, had a tough week and a half and they're in sixth position. Is it the case of Russell Westbrook not being able to always do everything on himself. Well, as everything stands right now, Russell Westbrook averaged just 20, uh, 31.6 point per game, 10.4 assists, uh, 9.7 rebounds, which is insane for a guard, and 1.2 steals. So he's kind of doing everything by it himself, uh, but it's both it's both a great thing and a problem at once. He uh, he has the highest usage rate in the NBA, means that 41% of the total offense of the um, of the um, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder goes through him, and he plays playing 34.8 minutes per, per game. So let that sink in. Like even if he's not playing all game, 40% of their entire offense goes through him. And it's it's insane. He they're gonna burn him up. I think he's already starting to uh, fade a little bit because he's just going at a maniacal pace. I think he might get injured, and they just don't have enough offensive talent to go alongside him. They just don't have enough shooters. They just don't have enough uh, shot creators to go alongside him. Um, Victor Oladipo was supposed to be a secondary shot creator when they traded him for Serge Ibaka, and he's not being so right now. He's not being used as a shot creator, so we don't really know what uh, Victor Oladipo is here for. He just like waits for 
uh, for Russell to do everything. Um, yeah, I would not be surprised to see them uh, if it fall at the ninth spot in the uh, in the east, in the West. If it's coming, it keeps going like that. Like it's Russell Westbrook is playing at a superhuman pace, but it's not sustainable. Like I don't believe in it anymore. And as tradition yes. demands to finish the show with. Maybe, you know, I had Thonmaker and other players like this, but no, 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 this beats it. Recording around supper time, I need to get me some Dwayne Bacon. Dwayne Money Bacon from Florida State. From Florida State University. Seminole. I have been, yep, go ahead. I was going to say a Seminole from Florida State. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, I have been uh, scouting him since his, um, since his, uh, senior year in high school because I'm a creepy old man and I have been high on Dwayne Bacon for a long time he was he was uh, playing in an electric duo with Malik Beasley last year who now plays for the Denver Nuggets who's one of these athletes who runs up and down the floor in Denver and right now I'm not too sure what to think of Dwayne Dwayne is a sophomore now he decided to stay in school um, he's 21 years old which is very old for a sophomore and I don't know what's going to be his go-to thing in the NBA. He's a very interesting size as a shooting guard slash a small forward. He is basically the same size as Jimmy Butler, who the all-star uh, small forward for the Chicago Bulls. He's 6'7", he's 220, he's a big guy, he's very strong, but he doesn't get in the post, he doesn't post up, He uh, he's a slasher who has normal speed. He doesn't finish above the rim very well. He doesn't finish in traffic very well. Um, he's not a plus defender. So, um, you know, if he was a shooter, I'd say, like, this would be not irrelevant. He'd, be, he'd become a Jamal Crawford type of shooter in the NBA. And maybe that's his role. Maybe that's what he's going to... I think it's a ceiling. Like, if he, if he develops a shot, he's going to become Jamal Crawford, but who was six men of the year last year for the second time. But I am not so sure anymore what I see in Dwayne Bacon. He this does it doesn't seem like he's taking, uh, uh, like he's taking the extra step to uh, become to. a good NBA player. I would not be surprised if he gets in the NBA next year that we is out of the league in three years. Or I would not be surprised to see him stay in Florida State for four years. And yeah, and get a degree and move on with his life. That's uh, And that's commendable, even if that is the case. All right, we'll keep an eye on the Raptors' official protest that they have going to submit. Actually, they're in the process yes. of submitting it to the NBA for the end of the Sacramento-Toronto Raptors game yesterday in Sacramento. The Sacramento screw job, November 20th, 2016. <laughs> and until next week, have a great basketball. Yes. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.